Hey, Kev, let's let's follow this trail over here. This looks like there might be something waiting down there. All right. Hey, wait a minute. Do you hear that? Yeah, I thought it was just me. What the heck is that? I don't know what that is. Whoa, do you smell that, too? That's unbelievable. Hey, look. What the? Hey, look, those, those branches are moving over there. What the heck is that? Holy cow, is that what I think it is? Look at that thing. It, oh my god. It's a freaking Sasquatch. Welcome to the Bigfoot Terror in the Woods Sightings and Encounters podcast. I am your host, W.J. Sheehan. Author of the series of books, Bigfoot Terror in the Woods Sightings and Encounters, available at Amazon in paperback and ebook. And for the audio buffs out there who like to listen to us while you're mowing your lawn, you can get volumes one through nine at Audible, Amazon, and iTunes as well. And now, may I introduce you to my brother and co host. KJ Sheehan. Kev, how are you? I'm doing great. And by the way, Bill, my friend Ryan, uh, who lives here in the neighborhood, he listens to us while mowing the lawn. <laughs> I know that because I went up to him to talk to him one day and he had his headphones on and he said, this is kind of weird, Kev. I'm listening to you, you on the podcast and you're talking. Ah, <laughs> <laughs> oh, That's really cool, you know. It's super cool. <laughs> I have a I have a lot of people that tell me they uh like driven from Maine to Florida listening to the podcast uh in their car like nonstop. I don't know if I could stand it. I was gonna say, and you immediately apologized <laughs> to them. What's going on, people? Do you have a radio? Hey, you know, I just want to say something, Kev. A woman named Kimberly, Kimberly, if you're listening, she had some type of uh, activity going on and left me her phone number on the email. But Kimberly, I tried to call you at the number. Now, unless you typed it in wrong uh, and it said it was disconnected or out of service. So Kimberly... I had you in a 734 area code, which pins you somewhere in southern Michigan. And if you're listening, uh, reach back out to me. I'd love to talk to you. That's it, Kev. But Bill, let's let's face it. It's not the first time somebody gave us a fake phone number. <laughs> well, it could be <laughs> fake. But, uh, you know, I like to think... Maybe she just mistyped it or whatever, you know. I'm just yeah, no, I'm I know. I know. Yeah, I'm just... Uh, so uh, what do we got in our cryptids in the news and other oddities today, bro? Yeah, we got uh, some other oddities, and this is going to be a little bit different. So if you recall, we've had several listeners write in over the past couple of months about giants mm-hmm. and different stories about giants. And then Janet from Pennsylvania wrote in uh, with an article about uh the giants, the horn giants of Pennsylvania. Mm-hmm. 
And, you know, basically Janet said, jury's out on this. What do you think? Is it a hoax or is it real? Have you ever looked into it? So, again, thanks, Janet, for sending it in. And I sat down. It kind of got my attention. You know, horned, horned giants found in Pennsylvania. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, to be honest, you had me at horned giants. <laughs> Wherever <know>. they are. <laughs> as long as they're not on Long Island. <laughs> exactly. Out in your backyard. <laughs> but, but you know, so this article that uh, Janet sent me the link to, um, it cited a New York Times article that was written on July 14th, 1916, uh, under the headline, Find Horn Men's Skulls, Remarkable Discovery by Archaeologists in Susquehanna Valley. That's pretty strange, huh? Very strange. So, you know, fortunately, I do subscribe to the New York Times online, and they have this really cool feature where you can go back to, like, 1865, I think it no is. No kidding. Yeah, and search on articles. So I'm like, all right, I want to read this article. So I go back there, and I search on that article, like, 25 different ways, including the the newspaper on that day and the day before and the day after in case I got the date a little bit wrong, I can't find anything about this. Huh. Right, and the story goes that uh, in uh, in Susquehanna, Pennsylvania, in the Susquehanna Valley specifically, which is in the northeastern corner of Pennsylvania, basically right up against the New York State border that they dug up a mound, like a burial mound, and they uncovered the remains of 68 men believed to have been buried around the year 1200 A.D. Wow. So, you know, the this article, not the New York Times article, but this article that cites the New York Times, says, according to the article, the average height of these men was seven feet, with many being even taller. Hmm. Also found with the remains were very large stone celts and axes, which are further evidence of the men's gigantic size. So they found these giant weapons, too. Wow, like they were buried with their uh, warrior. uh, Exactly, exactly. And then perhaps the most interesting of all, the story says, some of the skulls had two-inch dome, two-inch bone protuberance protuberances, easy for me to say, on their foreheads. Mm. All right? So, sounds super cool, and in this article, there's pictures of the, what they call the Murray Farm excavation uh, in 1916. Okay. All right? But, you know, when I go to look into this, I, I don't think, I don't think it's true. And I found some other articles that say, after some further digging, it was discovered that the horned giants found by Moorhead, who's one of the uh, scientists, and others at Murray Farm were not horned at all. Nor were they giants. That's strange. So there was nothing in the Times about the... Town or this no article couldn't or, find any article in the time. Nothing whatsoever. But now this article goes on to say Professor Skinner wrote a corrected article for the New York Times, but it was not as publicized as the original, so it's harder to find. Yeah, 
very hard to find, by the way. So we're kind of a, um, we're kind of at a standstill with this as to what really was going on. What do you think? Is you think it was just a, a lot of baloney? Well, I definitely think that the horns on the heads were baloney. Okay. Um, and then when I was digging into this, they go back and they talk about um, the early Europeans coming to uh, North America, mm-hmm. right? And uh, uh, specifically when they when they got to uh, uh, Massachusetts, they talked about the Susquehannocks, um, which is one of the Native Americans, right? right? And they said that they were giants. And this is in the European uh, historical literature. But they point out that at, the, at that time, at that point in time, the average height of most Europeans was about five foot six. Okay. And they said that whereas Native Americans were thought to average over six feet tall. Oh, that's interesting. Yeah, so I thought that was super interesting. Mm-hmm. So, you know, they might be thinking of them and talking about them as being giants, right? Especially if they were in really good physical shape, like they might be, you know, mm-hmm. as Native Americans out there, you know, doing all the things that they did to take care of the land and grow food and catch animals, et cetera. Mm-hmm. You know, you, you think of them as being physically fit. It could be a bias on my part, but right. I, I would think of them as being fit, physically fit. And here, you know, if they're eight or nine inches taller than the average European they might look like giants. Yeah, well, uh, yeah. So if you came across a burial mound with a lot of Native American uh, people buried in it, uh, that would also account for perhaps uh, stone axes, um, other types of tools and or weaponry they may have been using at that time. 100%. So they had no guns. Uh, what would you find if it was still in one piece? You might find a bow, uh, perhaps a spear. Uh, but yeah, a bit a larger skeleton. And if there was a bunch of them together, all in that same size range, you know, you yep. might call them giants, right? Yep. And then I found this other uh, uh, story in USA Today, right? The newspaper USA Today. Um, uh, that was a fact check on this story. And in the USA Today article, they say uh, a March 22nd Facebook post claiming archaeologists dug up human skeletons seven feet tall with horned skulls in Pennsylvania accrued more than a thousand shares in two days on social media. And it says, during an archaeological excavation in Sayre, Bradford County, Pennsylvania, in the 1880s, a number of human skulls were unearthed, the Facebook post reads. These skeletons were anatomically correct except for the anomaly of their projections, two distinct horns, two inches above the eyebrow. Hmm. And the fact that their average height in life would have been about seven feet tall. Hmm. This same post asserts that the bones were sent to the American Investigating Museum in Philadelphia, where they were stolen, never to be seen again. But USA Today writes, there is no evidence at all to support this claim. Yeah, yeah. So they couldn't find any either. Yeah. You know, uh, the only thing I could think of is, you know, here we go with conspiracy theories again. 
Is it possible that the uh, the article was written in 1916 and then withdrawn? It could be. Could be. I don't know. Yeah. You know. You know, it's a curveball, but you know. Certainly could be, Bill. It's a good point. Yeah. I, uh, it, interesting note, but there have been other uh, digs where indeed giant skeletons have been found in a variety of different places around the country. Absolutely. Uh, I've covered a couple of them as well. You yeah. Know, some of them. Going e- back a few years. Yeah. Some of them even in like roadside highway digs where they were putting in a road and had to do some excavating and came across it, you know. Yeah, just came across them, right, exactly. Uh, in some arbitrary place, no burial mound or anything, you know. 100%. But, uh, you know, does it shock you or anybody else at this point in time if anything was and is being covered up? It doesn't. Yeah, no, it doesn't shock me, but it also doesn't shock me that somebody, you know, embellishes a story on uh, social media in order to get a lot of likes and, you know, forwards and stuff like that. Yeah, right? yeah. I mean, no doubt about yeah, it. Yeah, agreed. Because uh, both ways, both ways. That stuff is going on way too much today, so it's kind of hard to find, find your way through the malaise, you know? Absolutely. Hmm. Interesting. And horn protuberances above the eyebrows. So they were like bulging bones, a pair of them, like in the forehead. Absolutely, yeah. Uh, Super creepy, right? Rather than like having short goat horns coming out of the side of your head. (laughs) (laughs) But uh, close enough to goat horns for me, to be honest. (laughs) (laughs) Remember uh, Lily Munster used to tell Eddie, Eddie, go brush your fangs. <laughs> tell him, go brush your horns. Brush your own horns, lady. <laughs> <laughs> Come on, I got you a new horn brush down at Walgreens. Yeah. I got some gr- clean up. <laughs> I found some great horn polish yesterday at Walmart. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, They're a little too sharp. Dull up the tips a little bit. You know, there's a dress code at school. <laughs> Look, you ruined another good hat. <laughs> <laughs> All your hats have holes in them. Stop that. <laughs> well, uh, is it, uh, you know, it's a, a decent uh, uh, expose that you present on at least trying to find the facts regarding this. Yeah, I mean, I was excited because I was like, oh, I can pull up this article in the New York Times. Like, I thought it was real. Uh, very you know? very cool, too, that the Times has this uh, archival aspect to it now with the uh, Internet where you can Yeah, dig- I mean, it's amazing, right? Yeah. The stuff that's out there. Yeah, that's... Uh, you know. But so when you went into the 1916, there was other stuff there, just not what you were looking oh, for. Oh, yeah, there were articles about World War One and stuff like that. You yeah. Know? It was pretty cool. I got lost in there a little while, full disclosure. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, well, you could peek around. around. Yeah, you want to look around, read things. It's interesting, you know? Yeah. I remember we were working on uh, a house one day. And uh, we got into the wall, and as is the case in a lot of old houses, there was some newspaper in there, you know? 
Yeah. But not a lot. It's I don't know why this in this particular house there was a couple of newspapers and they weren't all crumpled up and the entire wall was not stuffed with paper for insulation or anything like that. And uh I just started thumbing through this thing. I forget when it was from, it was a long time ago. But one of the coolest things was looking at the advertisement uh advertisements and the prices of things. Oh yeah. You know, and you look at it like, man, alive. You know, something was a nickel or 29 cents. You know, when I was like, I think there was a car in there for like, you know, whatever it was, you know. I was just like, wow, how things have changed, you know. Exactly. Wow. Interesting, Kev. So that was pretty cool. That was pretty cool to go in there and do a little digging around on that. Uh, Yeah, I think it's cool. And thank you to Janet from Pennsylvania for Sending in that idea. I think it's good to do a little myth busting. Yeah, and Janet had said, like, basically, what do you think? Yeah, what do you think? And she said the jury's out. Yeah. So no. as far as we're concerned, Janet, uh, the jury is in and the verdict is bogus. <laughs> bogus. <laughs> oh, I forgot to say it in the form of a question. What is bogus? Correct. <laughs> Very good. So what kind of account do you have for us this well, week? You know my standing on these things, Kev, they're all interesting to me, but this is uh this is pretty cool. Uh it's a nice little read, so stay with me on it. Very interesting, uh very detail oriented. Uh, This report came to me by Stephen Wellesley, a resident of South Carolina, who came into a large inheritance. And this is what Stephen had to say. My mother had passed away several years ago, with my father having died 12 years prior. And my brother had been killed in a Desert Storm campaign. So I was the only surviving heir at the time. Among other things, my inheritance consisted of my parents' property in the northern part of South Carolina. The property consisted of an old plantation home nestled in about 90 acres of land. Now, back in the day, the land had been used for growing cotton but hadn't seen any of that for close to a hundred years. My brother and I had grown up on this property and we would always hunt and fish in the surrounding area. Now, my wife and I didn't live far from my mother's place. Our two children were grown and had their own lives. So she and I had decided to move to my parents' home and rent our own house out. Now, my parents' house was beautiful and quite grand in scale. The previous owner, as well as the family who built it, had been very well-to-do. The woodworking and attention to detail throughout the home was top-notch and had been maintained by my father until his passing. He was a man that treated this house like the curator of a museum would, so very descriptive of how nice this plantation home was. I had never noticed that despite all of the original details, the back door 
had been replaced with a steel door at some time. I don't know if it was done while my dad was alive or if my mother had it replaced while she was here alone, but neither of them had ever mentioned it and I had never noticed it. It was very odd indeed. Much of the property was grassy, but there was a large tract of woods on its edge. The grass had grown wild since my father's passing, and you wouldn't dare walk out there in that grass in the state it was in because it was surely chock full of snakes. There was also a small creek running through the northeast portion of the property and out into the fields. There were 14 fruit trees, which were very old so far as trees go as well. When I was younger, my mother would make a variety of different pies and tarts, and she had a place in our pantry for all of her homemade preserves and jams. At some point, after having moved in, I had refired the old tractor and began to cut the fields back in shape again. There was one large barn out back where my dad kept a tractor and some yard tools, and outside of that it served only as a large, mostly empty habitat for barn owls. When I realized that the owls were there, I always left the doors slightly open for them. It was really cool to watch them going in and out. Now, we had lived there for almost two years, and everything was working out perfectly, feeling like I was a child again, and reliving my youth on the land and in the house that I had grown up in. In the summer and fall of our second year, things started getting a little weird around the property. My wife and I had started hearing some loud howling emanating in the distance, way back in the far end of our land, or even beyond. It would always begin around dusk, and there were many nights when it would rouse us from our sleep in the middle of the night. It was a long and steady howl, very much like the fire department siren, in both volume and duration. However, it was much deeper. I don't really remember saying anything to my wife other than remarking that there must be some animals in the woods. The funny thing was that I didn't recall any such sounds being present there while I was growing up. Now, as I said earlier, I had begun cutting the fields, and because of this, my wife and I had regained access to the fruit trees once again. And this was actually the season for harvesting. Don't get me wrong, we weren't like my mom making preserves and pies or anything like that, but we were picking some of the fruits to eat. When I tell you that I'm not a farmer, that would be an understatement. But I started to notice that the fruits on the trees were disappearing. My wife and I were only picking a couple of dozen pieces a week, if that, which wasn't even a smidgen of what was there for the picking. I wasn't even pruning them, and each tree had to have been producing hundreds of pieces of fruit. <coughs> the tree's combined output was incredible, producing bushels and bushels of fruit between them. When I was young, my mother and father would grab almost every piece of fruit that the insects or birds didn't damage, 
and the rest would fall to the ground and rot. What I was seeing was quite the contrary. Fruit was disappearing from the trees, and virtually nothing was being left on the ground as I remembered it. These trees were systematically being stripped of their fruit just as fast as it ripened, and I couldn't wrap my mind around what might be doing such a thing. One night, after the fall had changed to winter, and the trees had long since stopped yielding fruit. My wife was in the kitchen preparing our dinner when I heard what sounded like a pot falling in the sink. At the same time, my wife exclaimed, Oh my gosh! and ran into the den. She was visibly shaking and white as a ghost, and she sat down in a chair holding her head in her hands. I asked her what was wrong, and she didn't answer me. I asked her what had happened, and she just stared at me as she was gathering her composure. A moment later, she answered. I was washing the dishes, not really paying attention to anything in particular. And as I lifted my head to put a clean pot into the dish rack, the most hideous face that you could imagine was looking at me through the window. And as quickly as I had seen it, the face was gone. Honey, she said, you have to call the police right away. I'm not kidding. Whatever it was is out there and in our yard right now. I picked up the phone and made the call and I told them there was a prowler in my yard and that my wife had seen him looking in our window. They said an officer would be right over. We watched as the officer pulled into the driveway only a few minutes later. Opening the door and stepping out to greet him, my wife started to frantically tell him what happened to her. He told her to try and calm down and asked her to show him the window she had seen the prowler from. I could tell he was trying to see if there was anything that could have made a reflection in the glass that night, having looked like a man. That's when my wife said to him, it wasn't a man. It was the face of a ghoul. It was horrible beyond description. I could see in his face that he was wondering what kind of people we were as my wife started to describe to him what happened. She told him it had wide set eyes that were much larger than ours and she said it was smiling with what she said was the biggest, most demonic grin she had ever seen. And as soon as she locked eyes with it, the thing vanished from sight. The officer said he was going to go outside and have a look around, and as I closed the steel door behind us, I began to think that it might have been installed for a reason. I walked alongside the officer carrying a fire poker in my hand, and the officer carried a large mag light. As he began shining it around, he put the beam right on the barn doors, and the doors were wide open. Before I could say anything, he asked me if I always left my barn open. I told him that the one door on the right was always open a crack for the owls to go in and out. But on this day, they were wide open. So the two of us walked over to have a look around. 
The hair was standing up on the back of my head as we walked towards the barn, and I felt as though something was breathing down my neck. As he put the light into the barn and shined it around, we could see that there was nothing inside except a tractor and the tools used around the house. He asked me if I could see anything missing, to which I said no. We kept walking around the house, shining the light here and there, and saw absolutely nothing. But I tell you, I had the creepiest feeling that we were being watched as he and I went back in the house. The officer sat us both down, looked at us square in the eyes and told us, I'm not about to say that you didn't see anything, folks, because I can see you're obviously shaken up. The doors were open on your barn, so maybe there was some local hoodlum prowling around looking to walk off with something they could sell. My wife broke in hysterically, saying, It was not a man. It was some kind of monster. He said, Look, I understand, but there's really nothing more I can do here tonight. Why don't you just leave all the lights on and stay up until you've calmed down? Have a glass of wine, maybe try to compose yourself. Whoever or whatever this was has gone off, and if anything else should happen, just call the station and we'll come right over. My wife was beside herself as the officer said goodbye. She said to me, honey, I cannot and will not stay here. I tried to console her, (coughs) excuse me, by saying that whatever she saw was just passing through and had probably moved on. Oh, yeah, she said. What about those darn fruit trees being picked clean? Maybe it was the same demon from hell eating our fruit. (laughs) And how about that door? Has it dawned on you that maybe your mother had this steel door installed for protection? I'd be willing to bet that she saw something and didn't want to bother us over it. You know how she was, all stubborn and everything. She probably saw that monster through the kitchen window just like I did. (coughs) At that point in time, I didn't want to get into a debate with her. Besides, something really didn't feel right out there in the yard. And when I saw those barn doors open wide, I knew something had been wandering around my house while my wife and I were inside. That can most definitely make you feel... A little uneasy, Bill. As it turns out, we both fell asleep in the living room that night. And when morning came, I went outside to have a look around. Everything that had seemed so eerie during the night had changed dramatically with the coming of a new day. I didn't see anything unusual, and I actually fired up the tractor to take around the yard. I thought about my father, who loved to cut the fields in any kind of weather. And it was great therapy for me as well, especially after the night we had. Later that morning, my wife and I took a ride into town. When we were leaving the store, we saw a small newspaper rack on the way out, which held the local gazette that was free of charge. Today, a certain headline on the lower right side of the front page caught my attention. Booger sighted by woman on highway. I grabbed a copy without mentioning it to my wife, and later that day I pulled out the paper to read the article while my wife was showering. 
it said, <coughs> excuse me, that a local woman had sighted a Bigfoot walking down the shoulder of a highway and that the area of the highway was only a few miles from our property. This sighting had happened the day before my wife said she saw a ghoul in the kitchen window. If I was to take a walk up through my land and cut across the woods instead of taking the long way around, this sighting had taken place only a mile from our house. That very night, I heard the howling again while my wife was sleeping. In my heart, I was now convinced my wife had seen the same beast this woman had seen on the highway and that the source of this howling was one in the same. I was also becoming increasingly more certain that my wife was correct about the door change on the house. What else could be the reason for swapping out a beautiful wooden door, a door that more than likely would have lasted for another 200 years? I was also convinced that this thing was responsible for eating the fruit off the trees in our field. Three or four days later, after my change of heart, I went for a long walk out into the field behind our home. I was really troubled as to what to do, and now I had become the one who was concerned about this thing. I was strolling slowly, kicking the grass, looking up at the sky, and thinking about my wife and parents. I reached a point in the field where I could see the back part of the property. From the house, you could only see this portion of land from the third-story windows. It was then that I saw a large black creature walking along the edge of the field. I ducked down just low enough to allow my eyes to continue watching it without being seen, and even at the distance I was watching from, I could easily gauge the enormity of what I was looking at. I could use every adjective imaginable to describe it. Tall, big, thick, muscular, hairy, and damn near anything else you could think of. It was an instantaneous sensory overload. This thing stood out clearly against the land, and I could see the sun shining on its fur. It was tall, though I couldn't even begin to venture a guess as to how tall. It looked like a black block of living creature walking along. Its arms extremely long and swung were extremely long and swung in a slow cadence with each of the steps that it took. Every movement it made was very deliberate in a way that it said to me that it knew it was the king. I don't believe that it has any competition in these woods and now having seen it for myself I'm certain it could make short work of anything or anyone that got in its way. It had covered about two acres of land walking before it disappeared again into the woods. I went back to the house without saying a word to my wife. She knows about the sighting now, but hadn't, 
uh, I hadn't dared disturb her with it back then. Instead, I casually brought up the sale of the house, saying that it was more than we really needed at this stage of our lives and that I missed the old house that we had been renting. She was not against my decision to sell, so our saga ended. The house was sold and we moved into another rental house until our tenant's lease was up. My uncle used to live about six miles away from a busy train station in Atlanta. If you were outside during the morning commute time, you could hear the train at the station sound its horn. This Bigfoot's howl was so loud and resounding that I am sure people can hear it for miles around, just like the train's horn, and yet I had never heard a single soul speak of hearing it. I don't know if people are afraid to speak about it or what, but it has to be being heard in many other places and by many other people. What do you think of that, Kev? That's a uh, creepy account, Bill, the ghoulish face. I mean, uh, you know, on the lighter side, though, when they advertise the house, you think they put a newly installed steel door? Yeah, I mean, <laughs> that always, that's like selling the haunted house, right? Exactly. And I'm sure it didn't look that way, but like I'm thinking an industrial steel door with no window or anything and rivets across it. You know what I mean? It's probably not that. Yeah, just but. like, you know, when you put in a steel door in a very old house, first of all, it's the wrong thing to do. Right. But second of all, uh, yeah, they're talking about something that was designed to more than likely keep you from putting your fist through it or kicking a hole in it, you know? Right. right. Uh, but, you know, steel house doors... Uh, the old door that I just replaced was called the steel door, but that thing was, it was stronger than wood, I guess. Well, it's. I think it's probably steel on the outside of some core. Yeah. Right? A foam core or something like that. I'm thinking like steel industrial door. Yeah. I mean, if you put it in to keep a ghoul out, like, it's going to be uh, not something you get at Home Depot. Yeah. So, you know, obviously this woman. I'd like a uh, ghoul-proof <laughs> door. How big oh, that's is- on aisle 24. <laughs> it's down on the right-hand side next to the uh, uh, screen door. Uh, excuse me, ma'am. Do you know what the capabilities of the ghoul you're <laughs> trying to keep out are? <laughs> we have several ghoul-proof doors. <laughs> like, does your ghoul have claws? <laughs> does he have two horny protuberances in his yeah. forehead? Any, any goat horns, like curved <laughs> horns or straight <laughs> horns? I mean, it makes a difference. I'm sorry, man. Uh, red eyes? Because if he has red eyes, we can, like, get rid of the glass entirely. Now, listen. Because there's no reason to see that. If he's a shapeshifter, we have a multi-purpose Ooh. steel door. Ooh. <laughs> now we're talking. Oh, my God. But, you know. Yeah, we have a ship. For shapeshifters, we also have a... Uh, a door that puts out a uh, little mist <laughs> fog behind it so you can see if the shapeshifter sneaks through the door. 
that you know <laughs> the the story uh with the the trees uh being stripped and him having lived there as a youth uh and and just kind of like taking note of like geez I don't remember that and I don't remember that howling sound either when I was a kid yeah the howling sound so it seems like something had moved into the area since he had been there but perhaps not uh while his mother was living there alone and his father had passed away. Right. So something had come into the neighborhood. But also cool was him catching this rag in the supermarket or the store. Uh, oh, yeah, with the story where it's basically on the edge of his property. Right. You know, it sounded like to me. Yeah, he said it was a mile as the crow flies, you know. Yeah, which is nothing. Right, a mile is like... Italy. It's a mile from my house to the main street at the end of the road, you know. Uh, but uh, yeah, booger seen by woman on shoulder of highway. Mm. So uh, you know, a lot of good old boys down there call these things the boogers, you know. Oh yeah. So uh, I don't know if it was uh, written. Obviously, we didn't see it, but it could have been written with a sense of humor or sarcasm. But it certainly wasn't coincidental that uh, the day the woman saw the sighting was it? What did he say? A couple of days before his wife said she saw this thing in the window? I think it was the day before. Yeah, so, you know. I don't know. Interesting nonetheless, you know. But uh, uh, Pretty creepy, though. Hey, listen, if you happen to be listening to Bigfoot Terror in the Woods and you own that old plantation... <laughs> In northern South Carolina, why don't you dial us up at <laughs> BigfootTerrorInTheWoods.com and Bill, talk it's to about me. 12.30 in the morning. The guy is sitting in the kitchen <laughs> with a cup of tea, listening, and he looks over at the shiny steel door. He's like, oh, crap. <laughs> <laughs> That's my house. It might be time to switch to bourbon tonight. <laughs> <laughs> Mabel, this Yankee's talking about us. <laughs> I know we can't trust the Yankees, but still, we do have this steel door and we never get any apples from the orchard. <laughs> oh, my God. Yeah, well, folks, if you never tuned in before, we like to uh, have a little fun while we're kicking it around. Uh. <laughs> <laughs> it's awesome. Oh, man. All right. Well, it's time for listener mail. Okay, Kev. And uh, our first email comes in, and it's from Mark. He doesn't say where he's from, and he has a really simple question that we get from time to time, so it's worth covering. He writes, I love your podcast, but where do I go to give a five-star review? Oh. And, and, folks, you know, on the typical podcast player, like the one on your iPhone, for example, there is a way under the podcast where you listen to it to create a review. However, in some other ways that you listen to the podcast, uh, maybe on Spotify or something like that, I'm not sure, but some of them don't give you the means to give a five-star review. So don't sweat it. If it's there and you can give us a five-star review, fantastic. Also, kudos to all of you that left us written reviews lately. I was reading them this morning and they're fantastic. Thank you. It really uh, 
charges up our batteries, right? Yeah. And do the same, so, folks, for my books. If you've gotten an Audible book or written or you're reading Kindle, whatever you're doing, you know, come on. Give us a little uh, shot in the arm here, you know? little review. Yeah. yeah. All right. And our next one is Diana in Ohio. And she says, Dear Kevin Bill, Kev, so sorry to hear about the passing of your black lab, Martha. I know you really miss her, and we miss hearing her in the background from time to time. Hang in there and keep podcasting. And Diana and our other listeners out there that uh, have heard me talk about Martha through the years, Bill, today was our first tomato harvest, tomato patch. And although it was a great harvest, it was a little bittersweet without my little helper uh, poking me in the back of the legs and stuff because <laughs> I was taking too many tomatoes from the patch. <laughs> hey, leave some for the dogs. Exactly. Hey, come on. One for you, one for me, another one for me. <laughs> hey, listen, I got to tell you something. I got to plug my buddy, Philip. Philip, I know you're listening. Philip has a 250-pound English Mastiff uh, named Diesel. Good name. Yeah, and uh, Diesel brings his bag of pepperonis in from the kitchen to Philip. <laughs> kind of brings them to Philip so Philip can open the bag and feed him some of the pepperonis. Awesome. <laughs> awesome. <laughs> Isn't that cool? Very cool, very cool. All right. All right, that's awesome. Diesel, if you're out there, speak. All right, our next email comes from David from Australia. He says, hi, boys from Down Under. My kids and I were laughing out loud when KJ was reading the letter from a listener that described the YouTuber that pronounced the name of our beloved cryptid, Yowie. More like Rocky Balboa would speak to Adrian. Like, <laughs> yo <"Yo-y." laughs> Hey, I just saw a yo <laughs> <laughs> Keep the info coming and the smiles, too. Good day from Down Under, David. Good day, David. And good day. Adrian! yo <laughs> <laughs> All right, and finally, our last email comes in from Bob in Kansas. Dear WJ and KJ, I'm writing because I need to know, with four exclamation points, WJ, who is your favorite cryptid, and what makes it your favorite, and what account stands out as the best for you? And KJ, I'm not going to leave you out, at least not this time. Well, I'll tell you what, obviously it's the Bigfoot. And I'll tell you, I have a couple of uh, favorite accounts, Uh, one of them being the fight, which we... That was the one I was going to guess. Yeah, the fight up in uh, Canada on the lakeshore. But I'll tell you, uh, one other one that's uh, simple and not so sweet... uh, was those two uh, bow hunters checking out their uh, where they were going to put their stands in northern Cal- uh, Northern California, and they came across that woman's body shoved over the stump on that branch. Mm-hmm. I mean, to me, that was like you know uh, the coup de gras of just like 
I don't want to say evil, but just like pure, unadulterated viciousness. Uh, that, that to me was one of the most incredible things that I ever penned. So, and there's so many. I mean, I could name 30 of them, 50 of them. But for some reason, those two on different ends of the compass uh, epitomize, you know, like uh, the potential of what it is we're talking about here, you know? Yeah, 100%. Uh, that another one was the uh, that Washington account where the guys were out in the quads for the weekend, and the one guy they remembered fell asleep on the quad drunk. And they had that search that ensued for him. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, and the only thing they found was a finger in a glove. Right. Uh, so, you know. That was creepy. You know, so I'll tell you, folks, sometimes with me, like, if you've seen something, I always say, say something. And you can contact us at BigfootTerrorInTheWoods.com and hit the contact button. Uh, to me, in many situations, less is more. Because the individual is compelled to tell you what a lot of people would think is insignificant. Like, ah, he doesn't want to hear this. Well, I do want to hear it. Because all of these little, quote, insignificant puzzle pieces uh, create a, a panorama, a huge picture. Uh, when you put all of them together and see them, you know, like the old serial killer detective, Ken, right, that has the big poster board with all of the notes oh, and yeah. the pictures and, and articles. The yarn tying them together. That's right. Trying to put the pieces together, you know. Yeah. So awesome. Awesome, awesome, well, good. Awesome. We are we are about out of time, so we will cover my answers to the question next time around. So stay tuned to the same bat channel same bat time um but uh thank you thank you very much everyone for listening and thanks for those great five-star reviews yeah and remember folks you should be out in the field behind an old farmhouse in south carolina or anywhere else for that matter you best remember one thing always carry more gun than you think you're going to need. Sleep tight. <laughs>